know that you went to the hospital this week and uh, they had said that you had a mild stroke and they didn't know all that was going on. They were checking him for, you know, uh, carotid arteries and different things like that. And, uh, and so that's, that's concern when you hear that. You, you want to get to the bottom of that. But aren't you glad that we know who our healer is? And that we understand the power of God and understand the supernatural movings of God. God moves sometimes supernatural. Sometimes when the doctor don't know, God knows. Well, he was in Hemet Hospital, and a lot of people said, well, don't take him there. Oh, my gosh. But you know God moves in Hemet Hospital, too. God will move in your room or God will move right where you're at, wherever you're at. You could be in the worst case scenario, but God's still God. And I don't know, was this last, last night or yesterday? Friday night, in the middle of the night, Mary couldn't go up because they weren't allowing visitors. They wouldn't allow anybody in the hospital. But somehow, a lady came and visited him holding several Bibles she was dressed in a beautiful array and I don't know the whole details of that I just know that he's here today and, and so she this lady apparently you're not allowed to have visitors but she got up somehow which tells you that it had to have been an angel just like in the book of Acts right this lady goes all through the fifth floor and starts ministering to people, healing. In fact, his neighbor in the room next to him, his lungs were filled up with fluids, completely drained. Went home the next day. Martin uh, was dancing in the room. They said, you got to get back. You got to get back in your bed. You got to get back in your bed. No, no, no. He goes, I'm whole. I'm whole. I'm healed. You don't understand. The lady came, ministered, touched me. <laughs> So, you know, they checked them out. Said, we better check them out. <laughs> they checked his vitals. They checked for all the other stuff that they apparently thought was there. And it was completely disappeared. Gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> so... We just had a Holy Ghost time on the phone last night. And, and uh, Sister Mary, she goes, I've dispatched those angels into your family and into your home and with your children. And I think, glory to God, I got ministering spirits that are ministering for me the same way they did for Martine. And I, I dispatched them for this ministry and for this church right now in Jesus' name as the prophet of this house forever mother. Glory to God. I dispatch ministering spirits on your behalf that will minister healing, strength, deliverance. Glory to God. Prosperity, wealth. Are they not ministering spirits? That's what the scripture says. That minister to heirs of salvation. That's you and I. Glory to God. Glory to God. They're moving even now. They're moving even now. In, in this place, with you as you leave, you'll be kept safe from all harm glory to God in these days to come in Jesus name hallelujah give God a big shout what a wonderful testimony that's going to be shared all over 
Glory. And when God touches you, you want to minister that to everybody. Because if God did that for him, he'll do the same thing for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give God one more big shout before we get into the word. Come on, you could do better than that. Give him your best shout. <laughs> glory. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. I want you for just a few minutes here today before we go out and celebrate with our mothers and and remember and, and really honor today. I want to get into the scripture and minister to you the word. Minister to everybody here today. Not just the mothers, but in particular. We're going to talk about some some things that will minister to mothers as well. But today's word, I believe, will minister to everyone here today. So let's honor and reverence the word of God this morning as we receive it. Amen. Let's, can we do that? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you once again for an opportunity to uh, feed, to sit at your table and eat, and be ministered to, be taught the word of God. It's just as if we sit down at the feet of Jesus, the great shepherd, and he shepherds us, he guides us, he instructs us, he, he, he leads us in correct paths. Thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost for me today, for the anointing for me today, because I'm just a man, but a man with a gift. I didn't ask for it, you put it on me. And it's, anointing to it's an anointing to shepherd and to lead this flock into the right place at the right time. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 2 Kings in the fourth chapter. 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 8. If you have your Bibles, I want you to read along with me. We're going to do what you call a textual sermon, so it's a little bit different. We'll just pull our points out of the text today. Hallelujah. We'll read a lot of scriptures in this, and I believe you'll hear exactly what you need to hear. And I want to talk about today the qualities of a great woman or a great mother. The qualities of a great mother. Now, you may not be a mother. This quality you can also have in your own life. You may be a man. This quality applies to you. These qualities, these points that will be brought out will also applied to you. Hallelujah. So this word today is for you. Can you say amen? Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem. There was a great woman. Everybody say a great woman. Now some, some translations and different Translations will, will explain the word great to you and tell you what it means. 
the word great there was she was a very rich woman. So this this can go several different directions, but I believe that you can be rich and not necessarily have a whole lot of money. Rich doesn't mean you have a lot of money, but yet that's included. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, that's a whole other message. I believe God wants you to be blessed and rich in resources. But this woman was rich in other resources that weren't quite as tangible as money, but yet more valuable. Does that make any sense to you at all? And so this woman of Shunem was a great woman. Everybody say a great woman. She was a great woman. And she constrained him, Elisha, to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned thither to eat bread. Now, there's something about right happenings, being in the right place at the right time. There's something about right acquaintances, passing by or people crossing your path that make a dramatic impact on your life for good. There's some people make an impact for bad. I'm talking about being in the right place at the right time. Here's the prophet of God, a man of God, a man who's carrying uh, a coat, if I can say it like that, an anointing on him, a power with the ability to deliver, deliver, set free, deliver goods, minister the power of God to people. This man was God's prophet. Now we live in a new covenant where we all have the anointing. We're all anointed. But in the Old Testament, God anointed kings, God anointed priests, and God anointed prophets. And when a prophet came in your midst, you knew God was there. And there's something about this lady that when he passed by, this is a quality you'll see that makes her a great woman. She recognizes there's something different about this man. She recognizes that she's got to have this prophet in her life. She constrains him. She makes uh, available time to be with this man to where she now has fellowship with the prophet. Now, fellowship's a key word here because fellowship means sharing. That means if I'm on fellowship with you, I'm going to share with you what I have and you're going to share with me what you have. And also we see with this fellowship, we see a quality of hospitality. This woman had a quality about her that made her great. She was hospitable. 
She invited people into her life. She wasn't secluded from people that mattered. She wasn't full of pride thinking, I don't need what he's got or I don't need what they've got. She recognized the need for what was on this man's life to be imparted to her life. Yet, what made her great was for her to receive, she first seen herself as a giver. Come on now. (laughs) We've been talking about for weeks on how to harvest. This is a prime example of how she received a great harvest. She ran into someone who passed by Shunem and recognized a quality that was in his life and said, I've got to have fellowship with this man. And this fellowship meant I'm going to share with him. And it also means he's going to share with her. What she had was maybe not significant. And what he had was very significant. Maybe to the man, it wasn't significant. Maybe to you, it wasn't significant. But she wanted to share food. She wanted to share a meal. She wanted to share her time. She wanted to invest and set up an appointment where they met together with family because she valued the anointing of God. When you value the anointing, you'll have fellowship with the anointing. When you value, let's not just narrow this to just the prophet. We're in a different dispensation now where God anoints more than just the king and more than the priest and more than the prophet, yet we have prophets and we want to receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. And if we do, we'll receive what? A prophet's reward. But let's let's broaden our scope here. He was anointed. She wanted fellowship with the anointing. You're anointed. Those around you are anointed. The church is anointed. The pastor's anointed. There's something about the body of Christ being anointed. And there's a quality that we see in her that we could adapt in our own life. A desire to have fellowship with the anointing. A a desire to have fellowship with the church, with the body, with those that are anointed around us. Because not only do you have something to share, but others have something to share back into your life. Not only do you have something to impart, but God wants wants to impart something back into you. And for God to impart to you, you've got to be an imparter. Hallelujah. Are are you listening to me? She constrained him. She said, how can I eat bread with this man? How can we get him into our life? How can we open up our doors to this anointing? How could we allow this into our home? You see, what you allow into your home, you value. When you, allow, when you allow the anointing, you put a value on that. When you allow right things to come into your home, you allow or, 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 or there's a sense of respect honor and value for what's right in your life when you just allow whatever to come into your home I grew up and some things were strict about what I could bring in and who I could bring over and I'm thankful that that I had parents 
specifically we'll talk about mothers today. And maybe you're glad too. You had a mom that laid some boundaries and said, not in the house today. Right? There was some music I couldn't listen to because mom said, not in this house. There were some people that couldn't come over because there was, maybe she didn't know that person personally, but there was a, there was a respect for the anointing, and when the anointing uh, kind of triggered a little bit of scratch down in your spirit saying, that's not right for this house, and mama says it can't come in the house, guess what? It didn't come in the house. But this mother, this woman was a great woman, and she recognized greatness on the man, which was the power of God, and said, we're going to have lunch, dinner, breakfast as often as you come by we're going to see to it that you're in our house now notice the next scripture here are you getting something out of this it fell on this day that she constrained to eat bread and so it was that as often as he passed by and turned thither to eat bread and she said to her husband notice she initiated this not the husband but she did could we at least have some men that could initiate some things like this? <laughs> yeah, she initiated this, and she said this to her husband. She said, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let's do something, verse 10. Let's make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bread and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. In other words, let's build a little condominium on our ranch here. And that way every time he comes by, he's got a place to study. He's got a place to be refreshed. He's got a place to, to have to have refreshment and food and fellowship let's accommodate now this thing that we perceive as valuable to our life now there's something about the word accommodate we see here they're making accommodations for the man of God there's something about you making accommodations for the spirit of God and the power of God to flow into your home when you're making accommodations and provisions for God to come and have a landing place in your home, that's wisdom number one, and that is a blessing getting ready to happen to you. If you're not getting ready for God to move, then more than likely there'll be no faith, no anticipation, but there's something here we see about a woman who made room for God. When you can make room for God. Everybody say room for God. Now she made a room for the prophet. But you make room for God. You can make room in your house for God. You, sometimes we leave God only for Sundays. Or God only for holidays. On special days like Mother's Day. And undoubtedly there's people around this nation that don't normally go to church but they know mom made room for God and to honor her, she'd like to see me in church today. And so I'll be with her on Mother's Day. But if you'll catch hold of the same spirit 
maybe that your mother had or this mother had, you'll learn that the same thing that worked for her will work for you. If you'll make room for God, if you'll build accommodations for God, if you'll build, that took work, that took effort, that took time, that took financial provision. You don't just build a room without an expense. It costs them something to prepare a place for God to come. And sometimes it'll cost you prayer. It'll cost you time on your knees. It'll cost you worship. It costs more than just attendance to church. It costs an, a commitment to say, I'm making a room, and that room is going to be specifically for God, and he's going to be right at the center of the house. Notice this room was on the wall. That way... In that room, the prophet could look for her about who's coming in and who's going out. And that way, the prophet could see for her what was to come. And God wants to be in a place in your house where he can look for you. He can look around you. He can look beneath you. He can look behind you. He can see in the areas that you can't see in. God wants you to build a room for him. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this. But uh, that blesses me. That encourages me. And notice here it says, she said, I perceive. I perceive. Her perception was wonderful. <laughs> her, perce her perception was accurate. What a quality we see in this woman that we could see today and need to see more of today is a discerning spirit. Uh, a, a perceiving spirit that can perceive and discern what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, what's correct for my children and what's not correct, what's good for my house and what's not good for my house. I remember, and you remember as well, one day I brought this really fine-looking girl home that I got introduced to, and she just happened to come on New Year's Eve, and she wasn't wearing enough, apparently, and uh, I don't think she probably was, was she? <laughs> but she, that was her choice to wear that, and, you know, young as I was, I probably wasn't as perceiving as I needed to be at the time, and I just came in with this big old smile on my face, ready to introduce her. And the first person that I wanted to introduce her to, I didn't necessarily go right away, which was my mother, because I knew how she would react to the dress, to the outfit, because it didn't look wholesome. And, uh, but more so than that, when there was an introduction, uh, the first thing that happened was I got ushered in with my mother and another friend of hers, her best friend, which was a mother as well. And here kicked in this thing we called perception or a discerning spirit. Now, I've been raised up this way. If people are willing to show it, then they're willing to share it. That's just, that's just a good thing for some of you young ladies to understand and be modest, and you can look good, you can look stylish, but you don't have to share with everybody because what God's endowed you with and blessed you with is intended with the one he's going to connect you with through marriage. Hallelujah. 
And so this is a good statement. You can write it down. You can quote it. You can put it on social media. You don't have to, have to put my name attached to it. You don't have to do that. Just put if you're willing to sh show it, more than likely you'll be willing to share it. And there is such a looseness today. And that, we're talking about 89, 90, around that time, 91. And if it was loose then, it's very loose right now. I mean, it's dangerously loose. And the things that our children are being exposed to and the challenges that our parents have at home and that they have to deal with. Our mothers today need a grace. Our parents today need a, an added grace in this day. And God doesn't have a shortage of grace. Can you say amen? And God doesn't have a shortage of his power and his anointing. But we've got to have a sense of perception. And I remember one time my mom spoke up in that back room and she said, that girl, she's got a devil. And her friend said, yep, it's a demon. I've seen him before. And they just kept on going saying she got a devil. She got a devil. And I, I thought, well, dear God, I mean, if she's got a devil, I better get her home as fast as I can. What wasn't the best New Year's for me because I had to drive that devil all the way home. Or it just wouldn't have sat right with me keeping her there, knowing how the perception was from someone I honored and I valued. And this particular woman portrays that very same quality of perception. When she perceived this man was a holy man of God, she pressed into that. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here today? When you perceive the anointing, and you can discern the anointings on that, then you want to invest in that. If there's, a no, if there's no anointing there, if there's no presence of God there, you have to come to this conclusion. It's not for me. It's not for my house. But if there's God on it, if there's a residue of the presence of God on it, I'll make the investment That's why there's some of you, you drive distance to get here. There, there's been people that have drove as far as, you know, L.A. County to get to church. Why? Because when they perceive the room, they'll invest whatever it costs to get into that room where the presence of God is because what's in that room can produce more than you could ever do through works. In other words, she said he's valuable in our lives. He's more than just a friend. We are now going to share our resources with him. And what this does is it opens up a portal where now the anointing on his life becomes shareable to her. Glory to God. I don't think I've ever said that like that. There's something about faith when it's represented in this fashion where you are with expectation 
building a room for a man of God to stay in your house. What you're doing is you're releasing a faith and an expectation of fellowship. Saying what what I have is now connected to your life. It opens up this whole new arena where what this man has is now available and readily available to her. Hallelujah. Perceive. Perception. Everybody say perception. Our perception today has been so washed and watered down. What we used to be okay with, we're not. And what we used to not be okay with, we're okay with it. But there's just some things that are not correct. Some things are black and white in the scripture, but there's some things that when you just get that down on the inside of you, ah, that just doesn't sit right. That doesn't sit right. Learn to follow that. Learn to go in the direction that your spirit is leading you and guiding you. Maybe it's about financial investments. I had one time, y'all get anything out of this? At one time, a friend, a very dear friend of ours come to us years ago. This was back in, I think it was in 90, it was in 2000. A friend of ours come, we were, we were on staff back in the early 90s when we first got married up in Palmdale. A friend came from down, down from Palmdale and he, he was just really being pushy about a particular financial investment. You ever had anybody in your life, and they're like, man, you, I'll tell you, if you do this, you're going to be a millionaire overnight. In fact, my thinking is, well, if it's going to happen like that, then why doesn't everybody do it? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why you, you got to be led. One person come up to me the other day and said, if my investment gets to a penny, I'm going to have $33 million on my, my new digital currency. I'm thinking, well, glory to God. Let's be in fellowship so you can share that. It calls it. You need to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. You need to. And finally, they didn't respond, and they call back, and I just don't pick up. So then they quit calling. They get a hint that they, well, I'm not going to be led by pressure. Now I have investments in in different currencies and different things like that, but that's my business. I don't share my business with other people unless the Lord leads me to do that. And neither should you. That's just a little bit of wisdom. One, one time my wife was at Raymond and someone gave away their car, you know, and then they got up behind the pulpit and they shared, you know, the Lord told me to give my car away and bless me with a brand new car. And she said a number of the students, she was a student at Raymond, she said a number, number of the students went ahead and did the same thing. And for weeks they started riding a bike because they did that, that sewing based on someone else saying it instead of, having a leading on the inside of them. That goes with perception. That goes along with perception. You know, so years ago we had this this friend, and I love him to this day. He said, you, you need to invest in this because it's going to just pop real soon. I've heard that. So it's just going to pop. And so I wrote out everything we had left. And I set it down there. <laughs> And he didn't show up to pick it up. And I'm thinking, why did he get that, man? I want to be rich real quick. 
I'm ready. Well, he didn't show up. And so the next day he called me. He goes, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't show up. Something happened and this and that. He goes, but do you have that check? I said, yeah, I got it. I said, I'll, I'll send it to you. And I forgot to send it. And after about four weeks, five weeks, I had a several thousand dollar check sitting there on that deal. And I thought it was buried and covered with some of my other stuff. I, I found it there and I thought, I never sent that in. And then I get a call from them. This is like a month, a little after a month after. He calls me up and he goes, he's very apologetic. I said, why are you apologetic? He goes, I, I just, I steered you the wrong way. I led you the wrong way. I, I just, there's something, I, I got to get off my chest with you. He goes, that investment, it just went down the drain. It just didn't, it didn't pan out. I'm so sorry. I said, well, you know, I never sent you the check. He goes, you never sent me the check? He goes, I thought you did. I said, no, I never did. And I never did because there was just something on the inside of me that never, I could have put a stamp on it and sent it, but just something tugging on the inside of me saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. What is that? That's the, that's the leading. That's God. But sometimes it, it connects and ties with your perception, your, your depth perception. How, how far are you able to have eyes to see into the realm that really affects your life. You have to really practice the presence of God and know what that sounds like or that feels like. Sometimes it's not an audible voice. It's a feeling on the inside of your spirit. Sometimes a gut feeling or a knowing. That's perception. Mothers have that intuitive element on the inside of them concerning their children. They'll know something about their children and their children, how did you know that? They just know because it's tied to them and those that they birthed. Right? The same quality is tied to you because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. Your spirit has a perceiver on the inside of it where you'll start picking up certain things and just because it sounds right doesn't mean you have to fall into the pressure of doing certain things. It may be good. I'm not saying every investment's bad. I'm just saying be led. And is it okay if I just give you a little bit of free, a free nugget here? Anytime it's pressure, it's not God. Because God doesn't lead you by pressure. It's always light and easy with God. He said, my yoke is what? My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Always light and easy. If there's pressure, it's not God. And so it's better to say to a friend or a family member, I feel a little bit of pressure, so why don't I just step back, pray in the Holy Ghost, and see what God's saying in my spirit. And if he says it's all right, then we'll go in that direction. But I'm not going to deal with the car salesman attitude. You got to buy it now. You got to buy it now. And they're not telling you there's a leak here and a leak there and a leak there. And a, they just, that, that's just how the, the spirit of this world is. But we could have a perceiver that perceives certain things and can detect certain things before it damages and hurts certain areas in our life. Hallelujah. Y'all get anything out of this? Now, notice this. Uh, she perceived this and she accommodated God in such a way that allowed this individual to be connected like family. 
certain people can visit, but not everybody can stay. Right? You ever been there before? It's like, yeah, come visit. You can stay long. <laughs> but uh, this is a room no one else stays in. This is a room that's not a guest bedroom. This is your bedroom. That's a little bit different. Because a guest bedroom could be, you come to my house, you need a place to stay overnight, come on, but someone else next week might get that room too. But this room is your room. What about that? What about a man or a woman saying, this house is not where God comes and goes. This is where God stays. Not just a room, but the house is yours, God. <laughs> That's fellowship. That's sharing. I'm trying to teach you how to harvest. If you want to harvest, it's more than just sowing mechanically. More than saying, well, if I sow financial seed, I'll harvest. No, no, no. Sowing and reaping is fellowship with God. It's sharing. It's saying, okay, God, my house is your house. My business is your business. I'm accommodating this for you. I'm building this house for you. Yeah, it's for you. Not me, for you. Glory to God. Y'all seeing this? Now look here in the scripture. This mic is trying to really distract me. But it's not. We're doing good. <laughs> Look here in verse 11. It says, And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and he laid there. And he said to Gehazi, a servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, You've been very careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? This is fellowship. This is sharing. Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, said, Verily she saith no she hath no child. And her husband's old. And he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, don't lie to thine handmaiden. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. Receive a prophet. In the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What was that? A son. She goes, she goes, don't mess with me. <laughs> what does that imply to me? That implies that she tried to have kids and couldn't have kids. She was done. She gave up. She's done trying. He's of age. He's too old. The odds are against him. Time is against them. The clock has already ticked away. She's probably happy. 
right? But yet there's this something on the inside of her where she really wanted a child. And here's where fellowship kicks in. He insisted, I've got to do something for her. Insisted. Say that word insisted. There's an insistence that God has towards you when you accommodate him. I got one person that caught it and a couple other people they are like, huh? When you are accommodating God in the sense that you will pour all your resources to put God first and your life second, there is this, I insist, a demand for a commanded blessing that you can't really even, you can say no to it, but God is so adamant about, I'm going to bless your How'd you say it? Socks off. Have you ever, I, I don't know if I've ever been so blessed where my, I mean, I've been blessed, where, but where my socks literally flew off, but I'd like to see that. Where there's such a pull of gravity from that blessings that my socks just, psh, hope when they come off, they smell downy fresh. Because <laughs> it might get on you. <laughs> But God is insistent at blessing you. God wants you blessed. God wants to give you the desires of his heart. This woman knew how to tie into that without even on purpose doing so. This wasn't something she did on purpose, but I believe looking back we can learn from what she did, and, and in our own uh, decision-making process, we can make a decision, I want to put myself in that kind of position. I want to put myself in that kind of advantage place where I am in a position where God can't say no to me, where God's saying, what do you want? What do you need? What is it that I can do for you? What, name the biggest thing that I can do for you. You, you name it, I'll do it. You ever had someone do something for you and you thought, well, it's your turn. Guess what? I, you didn't have to do that, but you did it, and I, I'm, I'm going to reward you. You're going to be so glad you did that for me. I'm never going to forget about you. Every time you come by, I'm going to bless you. What is it that you want? What is it that you need? I mean, you blessed my whole house. Let me do something for you. She could have said, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's better to build a house for you. It's better to give than it is to receive. She could have took a real religious, prideful position. But she finally, uh, finally she's thinking, don't you lie to me. If you're saying I can have a son, I'll take a son. Man, woo! There was a connection made through fellowship. Connection to what? A connection to that house, to the power of God, through fellowship. Think about this. If we're connected, we're connected to the same anointing. If we fellowship, we got we to learn how to fellowship w without offense. 
because we're, we're human and we're flesh. We're going to have to learn that. Moms deal with that all the time. Because my, my boys can get in a knockdown drag out because they're boys. A lot of testosterone in my house. A lot. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if someone's messing with them from the outside, they've forgotten about their offense. I mean, their family. In church, if we would recognize we're all brothers and sisters and we would get over some of the stupidest little offenses that we have. And there's people that aren't at church today because they're offended at someone in church, maybe the door greeter or something, or, or they don't like who you voted for. It's like, get over it. You're going to let that divide you from your brother, from fellowship with the anointing of God? Stop it. Stop. Stop being so stupid. Maybe I don't like who you voted for, but I still pastor you and love you and, and will love you no matter what. We got to get over certain things and learn our fellowship is valuable one with another. Why? Because we're not fellowshiping with humans with anointing. We're sharing. Why? Every joint supplies. That's what the Bible says. In other words, you got something I need. I got something you need. God designed it that way. And a mother understood that right here in the scripture. She understood I got a supply and he got a supply. Our supplies attack each other. And when your supply goes after God, guess what? God says, I got a supply that you're not going to be able to run from. It's going to chase you down. You're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the basket. You're going to be blessed in the field. You're going to be blessed on the job. Whatever you put your hands to, it's going to prosper. Why? Because of fellowship. What did her fellowship entail? Perception, right? Hospitality, accommodation, and all these things. It opened up a whole new floodgate that went against the elements of time where she couldn't be pregnant. God made a way, and she had a son. Isn't this good? I mean, I don't, I don't normally preach these kind of homiletical, textual messages, but there's something we're getting out of this. There's an anointing connection. There's a connection here to the anointing. What connected her? What was it? Fellowship. Fellowship. Can you have the same fellowship with your pastor? Yes. Does that mean we got to go to La Fagata every day? No. Because I'm not going to have to use my faith for heartburn. It's not always a natural, we're going to have fun. Let's, can, can I come to your house? You come to my house. It's not always that, but you can have fellowship by how you receive. Does that make sense? She received the man of God. How do you receive your pastor? That's a whole other dimension to this message. How do you receive Oh, that's just such a good message. Praise the Lord. And you, if it's just a good message to you, are you receiving as if you were receiving from Jesus a word from God? Right? If you receive the man as a man instead of a, a gift, it's a little bit different. Because the approach you take will, be, will determine what you get out of that man. 
If you want dinner appointments, that's what you'll get. But if you want to receive spiritual appointments, then you're going to have to learn how to receive. Come on, somebody. And that involves faith. That involves attendance. You say, well, I thought it didn't involve that kind of natural thing. Yeah, Paul said, I long to see you so that I may impart in you so that at the end you'll be established. In other words, I know you can see me on YouTube, but I can't see you. But when I can see you, then something opens up in another realm. And in that realm, there are packages of the spirit that can get into your spirit that you need for your journey that you don't get by watching it on YouTube. You've got to attend. That's one way to receive. That's one way to receive. That's real good. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm good. That's just I plan on saying that, so that's real good. <laughs> God's saying some good things that if we would grab a hold of it, it could increase the capacity for us to really receive from God. Uh, if our capacity is narrow, then we'll only be able to get so much of what he has for us. But if we can widen and broaden up that portal where the anointing could flow into our life, it would cause us to, to really increase in areas that we've tried to increase on our own. Y'all following me? You understanding this? Now, we don't have a whole lot of time, but notice what happens. This is really, really good. We'll bring out a couple points here and then we'll close. Uh, the boy grows up. I think he's a teenager and he's out in the field working. And some theologians say he got hit in the head with a rock. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Some people say he had a heat stroke. Bottom line is he died in his mother's lap. He died. I think he's 18. And he, and he dies at a, at a young age. And her thinking is, if God told me he'd give me a son, he's not going to give me a son for just a short period of time. He's going to live a long life, and I'm going to enjoy the duration of that. Think about that. If you're going to give me a son, I'm going to have some grandsons too. And he ain't... He ain't given me any grandsons or granddaughters yet. So this boy's got to live because God told me he'd give me a son. And that means he works for me. I need him on the field. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But she wasn't, death wasn't going to be enough for her. 18 years wasn't going to be enough for her. She's like, nah, this ain't happening. So what'd she do? She says, where's Elisha? <laughs> Where's the one that delivered the goods to begin with? Because I'm running towards that now. She tells her husband, get the servants, get the donkeys, get the, your fast horse, whatever. Let's go as fast as we can and let's find him, right? And uh, I believe that the prophet sees him coming from a distance and tells his servant, what, what's up with her? Is, is it well with her? And basically she says, everything's well. Now, what is that? Is she denying 
Or is she a person of faith? Because some people are in denial. No, everything's all right. Everything's all right. Everything, and it's not all right. <laughs> your, your son's dead. It's not all right. But being that she's in faith, she even tells her husband, as the Lord liveth, when we find the prophet, I will not leave him. As the Lord li- How long does the Lord live? That's a long time. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. Never had a beginning, never had an end. He's eternal. That's saying, I'm committed to this sharing thing. I'm committed to this fellowship thing. If he said I'd have a son, then that same anointing on him that delivered me a son, I have a right to. Let's go get it so that I can lay my child on his bedchamber and he come lay himself on my son and get that same spirit that was delivered on the word he gave me on my son and raise him up. That's faith. That's faith. That's, that's faith. I'm not leaving as the Lord liveth. I'm sticking by my fellowship with this man. Glory to God. It started with eating dinner. It started with some lunch. It started from there to building on a house on the wall right next to their house or within their house, glory to God, where they built a room for the power of God. Now there's relationship. There's fellowship. There's this idea that What I have is yours and what you have is mine and I need it right now. I'm going to get it. She had a right. She she had a claim on what was hers. What was that? The anointing of God. (laughs) That's what made this woman great. She knew how to take her claim on something. Glory to God. Instead of saying, well, I don't know if it's for me. Maybe this is my lot in life. Maybe this is just how it's supposed to be. You know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. It rains on the just and the unjust. And it's just raining right now. And this is just what the Lord's teaching me something. I've heard all that religious cocky, uh, poppycock all my life. Whatever you want to call it. It's crud. This woman said, he got a right to my house. I got a right to the house of God. We're connected. Glory to God. And that anointing is going to raise my son up. And she, she runs into the servant. And the servant says, or, or, or to the prophet. And the prophet says, is it well with you? And she goes, it is well. And the natural was it? No. But she was going to refuse to cave in to the circumstances. Are, were there real circumstances? Absolutely yes. But is faith real? And does faith make a demand on the anointing? So what does she do? She she shows him to his room, right? She got the child laying there. He lays upon the child. A few, few minutes later, I think it is, the child starts sneezing and coughing, right? I don't know how many days passed. If it was days, I'm not sure. But I do know this, that connection she had to the anointing raised her son up. The connection she had to God and her faith and her saying it is well are components in her life that made her be described as a great woman.
It was her faith that made her rich. It was her perception that made her rich. It was her ability to accommodate God that made her a great, rich woman. Hallelujah. What about you? Can you and do you carry the same ability to have those same qualities that can connect you to such a grace that will take you even through the hardest of times? Absolutely. In other words, she said, if God said it, then my son ain't going to die. It's well. <laughs> Say that with me. If God said it. Say it again. If God said it, if God said it, see, that's all that matters. What did God say? What, what did God say? If God said it, it's all that matters. It's all that matters. If God said it, then I'm not going to cave to the pressure of my flesh going in a direction that is anti-faith. I'm going to say it is well. Her ability to say it is well kept her in the arena of faith. It was her confession, it is well. Can you have children that are out at three in the morning not knowing where they are and still wake up the next morning and say, it is well? Yeah, because God said, as for me and my house, they shall serve the Lord. Can you have been given a doctor's report that says you're going to have this the rest of your life. In fact, it's going to take and shorten your life and still say it is well. Yes, because the scripture says by whose stripes ye were healed. And if I was healed, that trumps what the doctor says. Can you go to the mailbox month after month after the stimulus has went to everybody else in the city and didn't come to you and still walk back to your house that quarter mile walk and say, it is well. Yeah, because my source ain't the stimulus. Can you get laid off from your job? Are you, are you following what I'm talking about? Can you get laid off and say, it is well? Can you have pain and say it is well? Can you be told no and say it is well? Is that the way of faith? Absolutely. Are you making this stuff up? No. That came, it is well came from fellowship. Faith don't come from parroting what I'm telling you. Faith don't come from learning confessions. She didn't say it as well because she went to a faith class and, and Copeland seminar. No. She said it as well because she had fellowship. Faith is a relationship. Faith is not a mechanism that we just pull the lever and, uh, you know, say a confession and expect it to work. That's why you can confess until your tongue falls off. And still not see any change. And then people say, I don't want to be around those crazy faith clowns because all they do is try to name it and claim it and I never see any difference. Well, that could be because some of these crazy 
faith clowns are doing faith without fellowship. Because faith without fellowship turns you into a clown. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. Pastor told me to say it ten times. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. That's stupidity. That's dumb. By stripes I'm healed. 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 All my needs are all my needs are met. All my needs are met. All my needs are met. All my needs. You say that until you just cramp up in your muscles right here in your cheekbone area, and you can't say any more, and your words are just tripping over each other. But. If you got a fellowship with God and a relationship with God and a rhema from God and God spoke to you and said, you will never go without, ever. You don't have to say it 20 times. All you got to say is, it is well with me. That's the difference. That is the difference. I can tell you, you need to speak the word more. I can tell you, you need to hear the word more. All those things are good, but it's, it's, it's fellowship. It's, it's, it's you being engaged with God. Sometimes that's wrestling with God, <laughs> like Jacob, right? You're not going to win, but you're going to learn a side of God you never knew before. And you're going to have a genuine faith instead of something that's, I, I can teach a bird confessions. Right? And that parrot can say, I'm not red, green, and yellow. I'm not red, green, and yellow. I'm not red, and he's going to be red and green and yellow no matter what he's saying. Right? Because all he is doing is parroting what he was trained to say. Do you want training or do you want impartation? See, you can learn faith, but faith that's learned is just up here. But when you get a spirit of faith, that's not something you learn, that's something you caught. If you got the virus, you didn't learn the virus, you caught the virus. How'd you catch the virus? You got around someone else that had it. Right? You get the flu, you didn't learn the flu. Well, let me learn how I can get the flu. Let me see. Do I wear a mask or not? No, no, you didn't learn it, you caught it. And some people caught it with a mask. You understand what I'm saying? Faith, you can learn faith, but I'd much rather learn what I caught, right, than learn something just by itself without catching the spirit of faith. How'd I get off on this? Because she, she didn't go through this little 10-point seminar with Brother Hagen and Kenneth Copeland and all these other ministers, and she didn't have all these books that she got to read on by Charles Capps and confessing and this and that. No, she had to get this somewhere. Maybe it was those times of sharing. Maybe it was those times of eating. Maybe it was those times when Elisha's in the house. Maybe what was on him got on her. 
things. You know Elisha's seen some things. You know he caught some things. Spirit of faith isn't taught. It's caught. And she had a spirit of faith that was unlearned. It was something she caught. And let me tell you something that's contagious in a home. When a mother has faith, I know some husbands that didn't know God until the mother did. When the mother had faith, <laughs> oh gosh. I remember being, I'm going to stop. Does this help anybody? But in the beginning, when we first got married, I, I was so, I was a tightwad. I mean, just a real tightwad. I, my, my thinking was, we're going to tithe, but that's it. We don't have much left over. That's it. And so she she always carried the checkbook, so I'd watch her when she'd be giving that offering. I'm <laughs> peeking over there. And in my opinion, she always added too many zeros. Because I knew what we had. She wrote checks, but she never knew what was in there. But there was something about something she had that I didn't have at the time. And I tell you, she got it, but I tell you, she, she actually, she went to Ramah, so she sat under Brother Hagin, and she, she went to the Bible courses and all that, but I know a lot of people that went to Ramah didn't catch nothing. But at Ramah, they had other things that were extracurricular that you could go to, you didn't have to, wasn't required. But other people went from the outside, like they had healing school. If people were sick, people would come from the outside. Wheelchaired people, I mean, people that couldn't walk, people that were blind, people were dead. And they'd go to those meetings and get healed. Brother Hagin had prayer school, and there were more people probably from the outside than there were students in those meetings because students wanted to learn, but there were people from the outside wanted to catch. Well, my wife thought, well, Brother Hagin's doing it. I'm, I'm going to catch it. She went to those meetings. She got something. She received a pastor who was around Brother Hagin. He caught something. More than just being taught something, she caught something. I didn't have that until I met her, and then I got, I caught other things. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm talking about some things that were on Brother Hagin concerning faith or Oral Roberts, these people, you get it by being in fellowship and you get around it. And when I got around it, I met her, I thought, I'm going to her same church because I want to catch what she got. And it still took time for me to develop. And God developed me, but I got out of being tight. God taught me if there's more zeros, it's God. If there's less, it's the devil. And we came out of not enough. Sometimes I just, I bit my, my flesh. <laughs> you know, like, you know how you bite your tongue? I just, I just kind of said, okay, we're going to do this. And then it got to the point where I started to see, this is God. And God started to increase. Because sometimes there's something, how do I put this? I'm not, men and women are different. They just are. And there's some things that are put in men that aren't in women. And there's some things that are put in women that aren't in men. And I don't know if when God decided to make your gender female when you were born, if he put like some kind of extra faith in you or something. 
because there's always been something in my mom and in my wife for for the children that it's like, where did that come from? How did you know that? How did you get that? That had to have been like extraterrestrial. Like freak me out stuff. It's like that's that's just that's just weird. I don't know, are my kids the same way? Roman, are you the same way with mom? It's like mom can freak you out sometimes with some of this the in the spirit realm stuff. It's like, well, how how did you know that? Well, when I first got married to her, it was like that that was some freak me out stuff. But then I got a hold of it and I started correcting her in some areas. <laughs> And then I learned that I'm not the corrector, I'm not the Holy Ghost, you know, because I was real excited about getting a hold of faith. And I'm thinking, good, now I can tell you what's right and what's wrong. And that, I found out that didn't work either. <laughs> but when we together had fellowship with the same anointing and the same spirit of faith, we grew together. I didn't grow overnight, but we grew, we grew together in certain things. There, there's areas she'd tell you that she, she came up with me, but there's a lot of areas I came up with her. And a lot of that was with with faith because there's times when I don't know how we made it, but she would just say, we're going to make it. It's well. All is well. It is well. It is well. Glory to God. And I thought, that's the kind of spirit you want to be connected to. That's the kind of anointing you want. And if you're not connected, start with you. And those that are connected to you, it'll get contagious like a virus. It will get on them. I guarantee you that when I've got one that's left the house, I've got another that could, but we're, we're you know, he's he's in a place where, uh, I'm just kidding. And I got another one, you know, but he's going to go to school and different things like that. So I thought to my, to my wife, is this all right? I'm rambling a little bit. But I thought, well, we're going to be by ourselves pretty soon here. I'm going to have to, we're going to find a condo or something like that. <laughs> but to, when when they leave, there's going to be some things they didn't realize are on the inside of them because of what was put in them. Not even knowing that it was put in them. That's where Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is on the inside of you. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. Some of you sons and daughters out there, there's things that are on the inside of you. And those things, are they pertain to faith. Keep that stirred up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that was put in you, that, that's on the inside of you, that was put in you by the laying hands of your grandmother and your mother. Remember he made reference to Eunice and, and all those things by the laying on of hands. What was that? There was something caught. There was an impartation that was put on the inside of them through fellowship. Well, you you can't get away from fellowship with grandma as much as you maybe don't like grandma's cooking or whatever. That's where you go every holiday. You're in felt that's your family. And you can catch something without even realizing I got it. Don't take the vaccination against faith. <laughs> in other words, Open your spirit up to catch faith. Don't put a blocker of faith saying, I don't want it. Stir up faith on the inside of you. He just told me not to take the vaccine. I did not. Stop that. But I did tell you, stir up what's on the inside of you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stay stirred up. Amen. 
Stay stirred up. Stay stirred. How do I do that? With my words. With my, with my words. You say, well, I didn't have that kind of influence in my life. Well, you're here right now. You're, you're being influenced right now. Right? And you can carry that influence on with those that are in fellowship with you. Don't look back and, and say, I wish I had this or I wish I didn't. Be grateful even for what you did have. Be thankful for what you did have. Because God put that in your mother to put in you. There's qualities in you that you would have never got had it not been for your mother. Y'all get something out of that today. I'm done. Hallelujah. I'm done. And my wife's probably already done. She's probably on her way home. She's trying to beat me. But uh, I love you. I love every person here, but the mothers in particular. I honor you today and uh, respect you highly for what you do. And uh, there, it's a call on your life. There's a call, an anointing on your life to impart to those around you. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't, don't even neglect the gift that's on the inside of you. Just keep on pouring in, even when it seems like it's not working. I just want to give you that one word. Have you ever poured into someone's life and thinking, I hope this works, but it doesn't seem to be working. They're still going in the wrong direction. Don't be moved by, by that. Just say, it is well. <laughs> it is well. Say that with me real quick. Say, it is well. One more time out loud. Say, it is well. It is well with me. It is well with my children. It is well with my finances. It is well with my marriage. It is well with me and God. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is well. In Jesus' name, it is well in my body. All is well in Jesus' name. Real quick, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, you can do that right now. If you've never received Jesus into your heart, you can do that right now. It's never going to be well with you unless Jesus lives on the inside of you. Okay? So if you've never done that, I'm not talking about coming back to God, but if you've never done that, if you've never asked him, invited him to come in your heart, you can do that right now. Anybody in here, just, just by the showing of raising your hand, I don't want to assume that everybody's born again. We're all family, amen? So we all get to fellowship one with another, right? Because when we do, we're fellowshipping with the anointing, amen? Look to your neighbor and say, you're a joint and every joint supplies. Give them a good God bless you. Why don't you do something? Stand up with me.